Is your product or service stuck in Twitter under what seems like a massive pile of freezing cold snow? Let Overlord Services plow you out and expose this product to the rest of the world. For only $20 for three months of our enhanced service, we will create nifty images with your logo and information and post them on a daily basis. They also have yearly discounted rates. I am a client of Overlord Services. And I do have to say that not only are their services excellent, but they're really nice people. They post up my episodes multiple times per day for all of my shows without fail. And the communication that they have is second to none. I would greatly recommend that you try them out. Head to their shop at co-fi.com slash overlord svcs again that's coffee.com slash overlord services and click on shop below when you purchase their services let them know derek sent you Okay. Ahoy, motherfuckers. Welcome to Hindsight. I'm Derek. As always, I'm joined by uh, the best in the business, Brandon. Um, And today we're talking about a movie that's literally instrumental in the furthering of Black actors in Hollywood. Um, I was actually shocked to find out just how this movie came together. Uh, and usually we would discuss the movie, but the movie itself was only like an hour and 20 minutes long. And the movie itself, to be completely honest, while great, is a bunch of skits with one connecting thread between them. Um. The movie we're talking about is Hollywood Shuffle uh, by Robert Townsend and um, Kenan Ivory Wayans, because Kenan Ivory Wayans actually co-wrote this movie. That's one of the things I found out. Um, Movie came out in 1980, uh, 1987, yeah. And it was quite literally a labor of love. Brandon, uh, I'm pretty certain... Yesterday was your first time seeing Hollywood Shuffle. What do you think? Yeah, I thought I thought it was a fun movie. I didn't think it was that serious as far as like like I get what they were trying to do, but it was it was like a parody to me. So most parodies have like a like a point, but I didn't take it as like this super like serious uh film. I just thought it was like, hey Hollywood, we're making fun of you. Like this is the stupid shit y'all do type film which i mean that was like fear the black hat too and there's i mean there's a lot of films like that uh uh, don't be a menace was basically that um like i just thought it was like a funny film that just kind of like had something they wanted to make fun of and poke fun at and it did a really good job at it i thought it was kind of i thought it was just a wild film just like super ridiculous (laughs) over the top because the stereotypes were like over the top but they were over the top for a point yeah um, Robert Townsend has stated himself that the film is semi-autobiographical. The part where they told him that they wanted uh, the actor who was playing Jive Time, Jimmy, uh, they wanted him to be more like Eddie Murphy. That's That really happened to Robert. And that's when him and uh, Ken and Ivory Wands got together and wrote the movie. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, 
I feel like, well, first of all, this movie was uh, made for one hundred thousand um, dollars. Sixty of it, Robert Town to put on his credit cards. This movie actually took two years to put together. Uh, Fourteen days of film, um, or seventeen days of film, and they were spread out over two years uh, between Robert Townsend's tours as a stand-up comedian. Um, and it was completely guerrilla shooting. Uh, this this was shot without permits at all. Um, in fact, the crew wore UCLA T-shirts so they could pass themselves off as students learning how to film in the field. If cops stopped to ask them. <laughs> Um, it's included amongst the AFI's 2000 list of the 500 movies nominated for top 100 funniest American movies. Um, and I, I, I truly do feel like while the skits do speak to a larger story, the story is basically black folks can do more than just be uh, pimps and Mexican actors can do more than being um gang members uh and you you should give them the opportunities that you give to eddie murphy strangely enough eddie murphy saw this movie and liked it so much that he uh hired robert townsend to uh direct eddie murphy's raw mm-hmm. um and i i just i thought this movie was so important and hilarious absolutely hilarious that I wanted to take time out to make sure that we discussed it. So it starts off with uh, Robert Townsend in a mirror working on the lines for his, uh, for a, for an audition that he's going to for jive time, jive time, Jimmy. Uh, What was the full name of this fucking movie that he was working on? It was like jive time, Jimmy's, big payback or something like that you know like the 70s black exploitation uh mm-hmm. movies had names like that um and so he's looking in the mirror and he's working and he's like gimme you was my main man and his mom walks in on him and she's like good luck on your audition his brother is in there helping him with the with the uh, scenes his younger brother is helping him stay with his lines and everything. And his grandma doesn't like what he's working Oh, lady played in all the black films in the early 90s and late She 80s. also played in 227. Yeah, she was in 227 too. Mhm. And um she was like I don't I don't like what you're doing. Jive Time Jimmy's Revenge, uh which is a movie about street gangs which is so full of stereotypes that the light-skinned Black actors who auditioned were cast as Latino gang members and had to speak with cartoonish Spanish accents. One light-skinned man, one light-skinned man during the audition uh, scene is talking to another light-skinned man and he's like, yo, I used to not get any roles as Black actors, so I had to start putting on suntan lotion. Was that a Latino man? I thought that was a white man. That was a black guy. Oh. <laughs> that was a black dude. And um, Bobby, or Robert, sorry, walks into, he, his name on here is Robert Taylor. Uh, he walks into the, um, into the audition and they're just like, it's, it's three white people who are asking these black folks to pretty much just coon it up. Okay, 3.30 is fine, thank you. Name, please. Uh, Bobby Taylor, I have a 10.30. Bobby Taylor, you're reading. Do you have your sides? Yeah. Great, just have a seat, we'll get to you as soon as we can, we're running behind. <laughs> just have a seat. Okay. Sydney Stewart, the director, I'm Andrew Man Vacuum, the writer, and of course I'm Millicent Roy. What we're looking for, Miss Strickland, is the girlfriend of the brother of the main character. She has to be tough, 
but sensitive. She knows life, and yet she's very naive at the same time. And of course, she has to be very, very Spanish. We're looking for a very West Side Story kind of look. They're saying this to a light-skinned black woman. Do you do a Spanish accent? Yes, I do. Could you do uh, maybe a side for me with that accent? Sure. Jimmy, listen to me. You better run, honey, before the police has come. That's very good. Yes, it's very exciting. Richard, it's an important film. And it's. Also, want you to know that um, a lot of the lines that are used in this movie have become iconic <laughs> within the black community. It's a film that can make the right actor very, very famous. We're looking for charisma. We're looking for sex appeal and yet innocence. We're looking for that certain je ne sais quoi. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. With that in mind, Richard, I want you to start reading from the top of the page. Okay. And I want you to give it to us, but really give it to us. Don't relax. And relax. But I need some tension at the same time. But not too relaxed. But don't forget to give me sparkle. Can I start? Oh, please, please, anytime you're ready. Okay. This is Jimmy, man. Jimmy. And will my game falls out, you'll be dead. Time out, Richie. Anyway, after getting my degree from the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, I decided to come to Hollywood and do some movies. Good. Why don't you start with the, uh, the speech? That's very interesting. Sure. Okay. Um, let me see. What it is, bro, I ain't afraid of you. What is happening with your cool vines? Thank you, thank you. That You're the good. worst actor I've ever seen in my life. I, I, I have to be frank with you. You okay, have to be frank. <coughs> Say that again? That was bad acting. But was it, though? What it was <coughs> isn't so much that it was bad acting. It's that he's never had to act like a thug before. He's like, I went to these big-ass drama schools i graduated i probably he was like do you want me to do i am at pentameter because i can do that but you want me to talk like what it is bro i'm not from that place gotta do it look yeah. remember you know what this is like uh what was that movie with anthony anderson and uh, and tay diggs oh um remember uh, malibu's most wanted Malibu's most wanted, yeah. And they had to pretend to be thugs, but they were like mm -hmm. classically trained actors. Mm -hmm. And it's just like that old Sprite commercial. Don't talk to me that way. I played Hamlet at Cambridge. Once again, you ruined <laughs> my concentration. <laughs> Sorry. You be messing with the wrong dude, bro. Thank you. I'm I got nice. it. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice. you, you. Did you like it? Very oh, much. Leave, leave the uh, signs with you. Th thank no, you. No, no, leave, thank it, you. leave it up front. Okay, I, I'll see you on the shoot. No, so I won't be. There. How can she tell? How no, can because I have an analyst appointment at 7 o'clock at night. Did she feel more black? And no, then I have to go to hair. Do you have a final say on whether I get cast or not? I'm directing the film. No, I can't, Mom. No. Listen. I'm sorry, she's distracting me. I just can't Maybe it's seven? Eight o'clock? Eight o'clock? Alright, eight. I understand you're looking for a tough girl. I can play a tough girl. Thank you. I said I can play a tough girl. Thank you. I ain't be got no weapon. Why you be got to pull a knife on me? <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> you know, I'm in the real game, man. You know, I don't play no Hollywood bullshit, man. Like, you know, I'm for reals, man. And that's why I know I can play the All right. part, man. Mr. Rodriguez, that's it. Put the knife away and get the hell out of here. So, you got all these people who are, want to be actors who have been actors. Bobby has done uh, television movies. His his co-workers at the Winky Dinky Dog tell him, we saw your movie, dog, and you suck. <laughs> I mean, fuck the haters. Like, Keenan Ivory Wayans and Tiny are real haters. They're like, you suck, dog. So it's, <laughs> it's like, they you see what they're making Black folks do on film and on television at the time, they have a guy who um, 
does a show called There's a Bat in the House. Um, yeah. And he he plays a character. He's a black man who plays a character named Batty Boy, who's a bat and a soul brother. And he's like the most famous black person out there right now. Um, he comes up to Winky Dinky Dog after Bobby has already lied to his boss and said, you know, um, <laughs> actually, Ken and I and stops Bobby. And he's like, what are you going to tell him this time? You already told him that you got to take your sister to be circumcised. <laughs> uh. And he was like, you know what? I I gotta I gotta go. I'll be back. I'm a I gotta go to the dentist. I'll bring you back a doctor's note, but I gotta go. And he takes off to his audition. Uh when he comes back from the audition, he talks to um his boss, Mr. Jones, who is played by uh Pops. Um and John Witherspoon. Um and he's like, hey, you need to you need to put down this acting shit. You need to come over here and work with us because we got stuff coming here at Winky Dinky Dog. Say it with me. Winky Dinky Dog. I feel like he did that in another movie. He actually improvised this whole scene. So he might have. But he was like, we got the Winky Dinky Dog. We got the Winky Dinky fries. We even got the Winky Dinky hoe cake. Because hoes got to eat too. They got to eat. And he was like, you know what? You keep, you stick with us. He walks back inside. Keenan Irwin's like, you know what? Stick with us, dog. At first, I was nothing. Then I was assistant crew chief. Then I was crew chief. I went from from $2 to $2.25 in six months. That's growth. Bobby's like, what do you I get don't a $0.25 cent raise? In six months. $2 an hour. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's growth. <laughs> it's, it's gross. Um, but then... Uh, Batty Boy, uh, B.B. Sanders, uh, comes to Winky Dinky Dog, and Bobby tries to ask him, like, hey, man, what did you do to get into the industry? I heard you went to acting school. I heard you're still at acting school. Um, and Sanders is like, yo, Bobby asked Sanders, how do you determine if a role is a good role? And Sanders looks at Bobby and he's like, does your character die in the movie? Bobby's like, no. He was like, then it's a good role. He's like, it's all about sequels. It's not about art. It's about merchandising. Bobby kind of heard that, but didn't really like it. And so um, he goes back to in his mind, he goes into his mind and he does some skits about what he thinks um, everything should be like. Um, and he envisions the scene where they're sneaking into the movie theater. Um, and then he gets to the theater or he gets back to auditions and they're asking for an Eddie Murphy type. And I, when I tell you that this was just, I don't know. I figure that after the, after the eighties or after Eddie Murphy hit, everybody wanted this type of player or this type of person. Murphy type. What's an Eddie Murphy type? 
Oh, they, oh they, they want somebody to act like Eddie Murphy? What we're looking for is an Eddie Murphy type. We want somebody who can act like Eddie Murphy from head to toe. That's what we want. Someone who can dress like Eddie Murphy, to, to look like Eddie Murphy, to be Eddie Murphy, to give him a, the actor himself a Murphy-ectomy, to have a Murphy-like quality, Murphy-esque, to be Murphonic. Okay. Shut up. Hey, hey, kid. It's your friend, Mr. Roberts. Me. There he is. He's the one we want. I, I just want to be me. I, I don't want to be Eddie Murphy. I just want to be me. I, I just want to... Yes. Get the fuck out of here. That's what we're looking for. It's funny how they said they wanted Eddie Murphy type, and all of a sudden the light-skinned uh, actors in that scene are in blackface, more or less. They've darkened their skin up. They're trying to zip up their jackets, but Eddie Murphy at that point in time wore coats that were more open to show the chest, so you can see that their chest was still light-skinned. Water face was uh, painted a darker color. Everybody's trying to do an Eddie Murphy line. Oh, Tay. Hello, children. I'm Mr. Robinson. They couldn't be Eddie Murphy. They it's couldn't want Eddie Murphy. And that's what Robert was trying to say. Is like, I don't, I don't want to be Eddie. I want to be me. I want to be me. But you know, he starts turning into Eddie Murphy and then he wakes up. It was a nightmare. Um, that night or the next day. Uh, Donald and Tiny, again, uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans and whoever Tiny is, are continuing to tell him that he ain't never going to be an actor. He ain't never going to make it. Um, so Bobby quits his job. He's like, fuck this shit. Uh, later that night, he goes to visit his Uncle Ray, um, who's a singer, or he was a singer. He gave up on his chance to start him in order to work at a real job to provide for his family. When I watched this movie, what goes to my head a lot is um, Tupac has a song called Strictly for My Niggas. And in the song Strictly for My Niggas, he says, um, in my heart, I, I'm knowing that they wish me, or uh, when they talk, they're telling me they wish me well, but in my heart, I know that they wish me hell. Go get a real job. Rapping doesn't pay the rent. And that's what I feel like these folks are doing. Like, if Bobby came back successful, then they'd be like, we knew you could do it. We always had, we always knew you had it in you. But right now, while he's struggling, they're like, let me jump on him and try and bring him down further. Which uh, speaks more to the stereotypical idea that Black folks are the only group that pull people down the crabs in a barrel uh, mentality, which is completely untrue. Because I've no. seen more than enough, huh? No, that's not untrue. Everybody does that. I was going to say, I, I no, I'm saying it's completely untrue that only black folks do it. Yeah, I know. Everybody does it. Yeah, I was going to say, I've seen more than enough reality TV shows with my wife to know that everybody, there's a reality TV show starring nothing but um, chic, uh, uh, chic uh, folks. And they hate more than a little bit. They're like grown, hating on each other, like 45 years old, hating on each other. Uh, the shots at sunset or something like that. It, it's, it's awful. It's great. Um, but yeah, he, he expresses doubt about wanting to keep acting. He's like, I should get a job. His grandma keeps telling him there's always work at the post office. You know, if you if you don't want to do this role, there's always work at the post office. And Bobby's like, I, I might just go get another job, you know, go back to Winky Dinky Dog. I might go beg for my job back. And Ray's like, nah, man, follow your dreams. You can do it. Um, He goes back to the, he goes back, he goes to his callback. And the director, as you could tell, 
the casting person um and the um there's three people up they're all white the writer they're all white they walk out from uh bobby's callback and they're like you acted very black you acted very black um oh yeah sorry i left out a part there's a point where they're sitting there waiting for the initial um the initial audition and a guy sits down next to Bobby and he's like, you're going, these people are selling themselves out for this. And he's like, well, gotta go. And Bobby imagines after hearing white folks tell him that he's got to act black or act more jive, he imagines what it would be like to have a black acting school. This was great. This is jive, turkey. This is bullshit. What? This is bullshit. What are you talking about? This is some more the white man stereotype of a black man. Yeah, brother. Really? Yeah, brother. Only an Uncle Tom would do this shit. They just looking for somebody to sell out. Sell out? The only role they gonna let us do is a slave, a butler, or some street hood or something. Don't sell out, brother. Don't be a butler or a slave. Jesse Wilson. <clears throat> Jesse Wilson, you're next. That's me. Good luck, brother. Kinfolk. I don't care. I'm going with you. I'm a black actor. I had to learn to play these slave parts. And now you can too, at Hollywood's first black acting school. It teaches you everything. Learn jive talk 101. 
you motherfucking jive turkey motherfucker. All right, all right, that's good, that's good. You work, all right, you try it. You, you fucking mothers. Fucking no, 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 man, no, 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 that's wrong, that's wrong. Watch me, man. Just be cool. Jive turkey motherfucker. <laughs> that's only the beginning. You too can learn to walk black. No, 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 no. No rhythm. Observe. Yes, yes, yes! You too can be a black street hood. But this class is for dark-skinned blacks only. Light-skinned or yellow blacks don't make good crooks. Here's a student in our dance class. And it's still at TV. It just happened to be under my coat. I don't know nothing, policewoman. Kojak. Ironside. Yeah, I'm a gang leader. I'm in the warlords, the vice lords, the onion head. Let's talk to a graduate. This is Ricky Taylor. Ricky graduated from my class three years ago. Ricky, can you tell us what you've been doing since you've graduated? Well, Robert, I've played nine crooks, four gang leaders, two dope dealers. I played a rapist twice. Whoa. <laughs> that was fun. But currently, I, I'm filming a prison movie. I play this tough con that tries to fuck this new inmate. That sounds wonderful. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Need I say any more? It's Hollywood's first black acting school. It teaches you everything. Classes are enrolling now. Learn to play TV pimps, movie muggers, street punks. Courses include Jive Talk 101, Shuffling 200, Epic Slaves 400, Dial 1-800-555-COON. Black acting school. Try to be cool, call Hollywood's first black acting school. All right. Today. See, the thing here, though, is this movie is a little out of date for me. Mm-hmm. But, like, this movie came out in 1987. Uh-huh. At, by 1987, all the roles for black people weren't just pimps and slaves. That was more like a late 70s, early 80s thing. 1987, 1988, you were getting black people not named Eddie Murphy and other things. And then, like, the Jive Talk, I watched a lot of late 80s, early 90s movies. They had, like, gangster talk, but they weren't Jive talking. Like, you know, you Jive turkey. Like, that was, like, late 70s talk. Like, I wonder if he wrote this movie like 10 years earlier. Remember, it took him two years to get a film, so... Yeah, but even two years, that's 1985. Like, they still weren't 70s jive turkey motherfuckers in 1985 that often. Like, this was... It seemed like he wrote this movie 10 years prior, and then it took him a while to actually get it done, and he didn't rewrite it. They were still absolutely stereotypical roles, but his stereotypical roles like, were like... In the past, it's like if today somebody wrote a role, someone wrote a, a parody movie like this, and all the examples were like 90 stereotypes. Well, be like that's I mean, not today's stereotypes. Well, I mean, if it took them two years to, to film it and they wrote it, that probably took another year. So I could say maybe and then tried to shop it around. So maybe 84, but. I mean, I'm looking at 1985 films, American films in 85. The only black movie I've seen so far, Brewster's yeah, movie. But, yeah, but he didn't say black movie. He said the film was about black roles. Wait, wait. movies. Yeah, so black roles in movies. Brewster's Millions, The Color Purple, Death Wish. You remember Death Wish? Death Wish 3? Where a white guy goes into the hood and kills a whole bunch of thugs and, and gangsters. Well, thugs and gang members. You remember that movie? No. No? Okay. Yeah, it was awful. Um, let me see. What else had a black person in it? A lot of movies had black people in it in 1985. Did they, though? Just one of the guys had one black person who was on a football team. He didn't get any speaking roles. Um, I remember Lust in the Dust. That was funny. Um, I'm really looking. He's not that far off. 
The no, Last Dragon. The Last Dragon. Yeah, what's wrong with The Last Dragon? Nothing. I'm saying oh. like that was one of the Rocky movies. Five, Rocky Four. Rocky Four had Apollo Creed getting killed within the first. Brewster's Millionaires. But I mean, like... also Rocky Rocky Five. Apollo Creed. Rocky which, Four. Rocky Four. Apollo yeah. Creed, which we'll talk about when we talk about Rocky Three and Rocky Four. Apollo Creed was there based on the strength of what he did in Rocky and Rocky Two, which was dynamic back in 1979 and 1981. And 1983, he played a person who actually had growth throughout those films. I'll give you that. I'm just but saying he was, a, he was talking like it was the seven, like in the 70s. Yeah, everybody was a pimp or a gangster. But you like Die Hard came out one year later than this, like in 1988. Like there was a lot of there was obviously I'm not saying it was perfect. I'm I'm not saying that people weren't stereotypical. I'm saying his examples. Of stereotypes were kind of outdated for the time. Yeah, but like I said, it might have, like we said, it might have taken a while for this to be written, shopped, and then done guerrilla style. Yeah, so, I, I think so. Yeah, but yeah, so uh, Bobby ends up getting the role, um, the the lead role, Jive Time Jimmy. And he uh, has another daydream where he, him and a, uh, his friend are doing a thing called Sneaking in the Movies, uh, where they review popular movies at the time, including Amadeus meets Solari. Yeah, this was um, a precursor to Living Color. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't, I don't like that one because uh, it, was, it was too boring. Uh, Chicago Jones, where the dude literally hops off or they jump off the cliff onto more rocks and survive <laughs> and uh bobby is like yeah man i could see him doing that if you just you know a dude could jump off a mountain and not hurt himself because he did brace himself and he knew something about the levels of gravitivity and polarity <laughs> and then he also imagines dirty larry where, you know, I've never been a fan of the Dirty Harry movies. I've never been a fan of Clint Eastwood, to be honest with you. Um, they make a good point. These uh, thugs and hoods, which Dirty Harry was one white guy going into the hood and shooting blacks and Latinos who were playing gang members. Uh, but they were like, why are they giving him time to pull out his gun? When he reaches into his jacket, he ain't pulling out nothing else. Why are y'all waiting? Just draw down on him and shoot. Yeah, Dirty Harry. Yeah. Made sense to me. Like, why are they letting him draw down on them? And then the last movie that they saw was Attack of the Street Pimps, which was funny to me. <laughs> it was like zombie pimps. Hey, girl, can I get your number? Where are my bitches? <laughs> um, Bobby then goes home and he's celebrating with his girlfriend, Lydia, who's played by Anne Marie Johnson. Um, and his grandma comes home and they watch a, a noir film, a mystery film. Um, and at this time, Bobby has another fantasy about playing the lead in his own noir film called Death of a Breakdancer. Um, Death of a Breakdancer introduces us to not only Cookie Head Jenkins, but also Jerry Curl, 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 and Pop Locking. Yeah, I'm sorry. These are things that just stick out in my mind, and they're some of my favorite things in the world. Cookie Head Jenkins and Jerry Curl. Um, he also dreams that he's a Shakespearean king um, and a black Superman. Um, and then he also dreams that he's Rambro instead of Rambo. Um, and then his final dream shows him winning his fifth Oscar. The next day, he goes to the studio um, to start filming Jive Time Jimmy's Revenge. His family shows up to cheer him on. Uh, as he walk, as he's walking through, he sees a two uh, actor or an actor and an actress working on a love scene. Um, they're both white. 
he sees another white man who's complaining about how his body count isn't high enough in his new movie. It's at 34. They had to bump it up from 15. He's still not satisfied. Um, and as he walks past them, he's looking at them and he's observing. And then he sees the black folks who are all wearing fake wigs and garish pimp outfits. And yeah. So he goes to um, the set and he starts doing his lines. And yeah. Um, when I said that this is literally ludicrous, what did you think about this final uh, final scene, Brandon? It was ridiculous. That's why I'm saying like this, I get what the point was, but it was funny. It was a parody. It was because it was, this scene was so ridiculous to the point that I was just, I was just like, this is so absurd. I was dying laughing. Can you act more black? I'm sure somebody has said that before. That don't surprise me. Oh, I'm certain. but But not in that context. Like that context was so absurd. That I was, I was like, this is ridiculous. This movie is insane. And that's what it's supposed to be. Like, it's literally a withering look at what he felt the industry was at that time. Come on, Jimmy. Go get Jimmy. Go get Next month, for those who don't know, we're gonna we already agreed that February we were doing black exploitation movies. Yes, and I are. don't think Rashani has seen them. I think he tells me he didn't see them when he was a kid. The only black exploitation movie I've ever seen in my entire life. I can't remember one. Yeah, so I don't he hasn't seen them. I've <laughs> seen a bunch of black exploitation movies, and a lot of that is in black exploitation movies, but it's not. It's like this movie was so exaggerated of it that I just thought it was hilarious. It was so insane. It was so exaggerated to the point, like it was like making the point, but it was like beating you over the head with a mallet with the point, which is like, I thought this was a good movie, entertaining movie, but I didn't think it was like this super clever, like, cause it was like so over the top. Like well, you it was gotta like keep in mind, so it, over the top. It's not Cause like it's a it's comedy. And and it's not like it was made by somebody who's nuanced. We already talked about Ken and Ivory Wayans, and <laughs> we see what Robert Townsend does with his newfound power in the future. I mean, he does Meteor Man, and 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 yeah, but we're doing "Don't Be a Menace" this month. I think that yeah. was a bit more nuanced than this. It is very much so when they had time under their belts. Come <laughs> <laughs> But no, to go back to what I was saying about how those, even the camel walk was all James Brown lyrics. This is supposed to be a movie that was written by white people. And so they couldn't think of anything blacker to say than James Brown lyrics, fam. (laughs) That's 
Terrific. That was terrific. What, what, why'd you stop? What happened? Oh, there's, there's no problem. I just, I, just, I just forgot my line. Okay, that's fine. No problem. You want to look at the script? No, I'm okay. Great. Okay. Let's go again. Excuse me, Sydney. Before you do, I have another very good idea. Yeah. Could you tell him to be a little more, you know... Yeah, Bobby. Uh, Bobby, I, I need uh, a little more black. You know what mm. I'm saying? Uh, like, right. stick your ass mm. out, uh, Bug the eyes. You know how they move, you know? Yeah, j jive ass. Jive ass. Let's slate it. Let's go again. Jive okay, sorry, sorry, Sid. Scene 10, Baker 1. And action. I loved it, my brother. He was my main man, baby. Yeah, baby, because I loved it, him. And, and he was my only brother. He... He was like my main man. I loved it. I loved it, my, my brother. <laughs> Why is he stopping again? Why are you stopping? I, 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 I can't do this. What do you say? You can't do this. What are you talking about? You can't do this. This is not the kind of acting I wanted to do. This is... This is bullshit. Get him out of here! Get him off the set! I'll have someone else do it! I'll do it. You got it. You ain't shit. Oh, come on. You're <laughs> blowing it for all of us! This has got to change. Look, this is work. Shit, there's work at the post office. The same dude who said I'll do it was a dude at the beginning who was saying, I yeah, ain't gonna be no, yeah, you a coon. <laughs> I ain't gonna be no sellout. <laughs> the thing about this is, is that um God, I lost my train of thought. It'll come back. It will. I want him off the set. Get him off the set. Get him out of here. It's always got to be one. So he leaves the set. Uh, he loses the job, but he has his pride, and he he didn't sell out in front of his brother. Um, in the final scene, he's completing preparations. He's getting makeup done for a different. You got it. Yeah. So the thing I was going to say is the problem. What this film is really, at least from my perspective, the real issue is that it's nothing wrong with having films with black pimps or black gang members or thugs. The problem is, is when that's the only films, right? So it's like, it's like the Tyler Perry argument. Like Tyler Perry is heavily influenced by like Southern black culture exaggerated, but there's, there's absolutely people who act like the people in Tyler Perry movies. Like my family is from the South and country as hell. And I've seen a lot of fucking Tyler Perry characters in family reunions that I went to in South Carolina and North Carolina growing up like that's absolutely a real thing so those people are like there are people like this that they're absolutely black gangbangers they're black pips they're people who jive talk like those things exist the problem is is when that's all you see on the film is the stereotype and the problem in the, in the typecasting which is like why i'm so happy about like today's world and mm -hmm. like obviously we're not where we should be but it's pretty you, we have a lot like, I don't feel the need to have to watch everything black and like everything black because we get a lot of black content now. So mm -hmm. I can watch the stuff that I think is good. So I don't have to go to the fucking movies and watch Tyler Perry's bullshit because, to say that I support black directors because I can I get 30 films a year. Not that it shouldn't be more, but I get 30, 40 films a year with black directors. Or I get, you know, 10 TV shows that have majority black cast or black showrunners or 
you know, black writers. So I, I can watch the stuff that's good. And that's what this film was trying to say is that, hey, I, I think at least what I took from the film is like, let us do some other things. But like, I think people, I, like I hear people today say like, oh man, I'm sick of slave movies. And I'm just like, I'm not, I mean, I'm not sick of slave movies that like, I'm I, I'm a big politics guy. And I'm sitting here hearing people talk about, oh, they're trying to, they're trying to take, not teach this stuff in schools. They don't want to teach the civil rights movement. They don't want to teach about slavery. They're trying to take it out of schools. And at the same time, you're like, I don't want to see it in media. And mm-hmm. I'm like, those things kind of go hand in hand. Like we should learn about it in the schools, but I think they had a line in this film. I think it was in this film. Or I was watching something the last couple of days, but I think it was in this film. They had a line with a white person and the white person was like, I only know about black people from what I've seen on TV, which is what, unfortunately, what a lot of white people exist at. If you live in North Dakota, how the fuck else are you going to know anything about black people? There ain't none around you. Yep. So, the, like, that's not to give them a benefit of the doubt. It's just what it is. If you live somewhere where you don't ever see or meet black people, then the only thing that you are going to know about black folks is what you read about and what you watch on TV and movies. And if all you see is black people in the hood, black people are gangbangers, black people are pimps, black people talk like this. Every every movie you see, they talking to jive then you're probably going to think that's what black people do. I mean, that's just what you're going to do, think. And so I like how I like how it, it made that point of, hey, man, like, this stuff's like, this work is okay, but it's not okay when that's all the work, and that's the only work. I don't mind. I, I, I minded back in, 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 okay, let me think. In when I was a kid, all the way up until I was about 15, 16, 15, 15. Every single Black History Month, my high school history class would show roots. Every single Black History Month without fail. And every March or late February, there'd be a, a huge fight at the school between Black folks and white folks. Every, every year. They didn't put the correlation together until after I left the school and after that teacher left the school. But there was always a race war right around that same time. Being forced to watch Roots repeatedly made me get to the point where I didn't want to ever see Roots again. Um. Yeah, and now the GOP is like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to ban roots. You can't show roots. Oh, okay. But what I'm saying, I'm I'm completely okay with that because, like I said, I had to watch it over and over again. But if you want to watch it, you should have the right to be able to watch it if you wish. If you want to discuss it, you should have the right to discuss it if you wish, honestly. Um, Yeah, but, but, like, what they're doing now is, like, what you're saying is, like, to the other extreme. What they're doing now is saying, Roots depicts how brutal slavery was, right? Mm-hmm. And so now they're saying, so what you're saying is that made me uncomfortable because I had to watch this shit over and over again in this trauma. What they're saying now is Roots makes white people uncomfortable for how the white people were treating the black people. So we're going to ban Roots and instead we're going to show a alternative history of slavery and they'll probably show some movie or some story with like the one white guy who realized slavery was bad and tried to help slaves. Like the one white guy in the world that did that. And then that's how they would portray slavery. Like, so that's my point is like, these things need to exist. The problem is, is when only these things exist, when every black movie that comes out is a slave movie and trauma is the problem. But if you take those things away, that's why people are fighting these things. Because when you take those things away, what they get replaced with is an alternative version of history. And if you're not learning about it in school and you don't have black people around you, like a large percentage of the country because of segregation, the only way white people are going to know anything about these types of things is if they see it, unfortunately. 
That's just the reality of these things. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some white person in your class. I guarantee you, it may not be all of them, it may not be most of them, but I guarantee you there was some white person in your class who had no idea how brutal slavery actually was. Like they heard about it, but it was like, yeah, I don't, you're like, I don't, I mean, I don't know. And then they saw roots and was like, yo, this shit is fucking bad. Yeah, no, like, and, and they bad. actually made jokes about it, you know, not the people in my school, but I mean, comedians have made jokes about getting cornered by it was Robert, it was uh Martin Lawrence getting cornered by somebody at work who was like, I just saw Roots, man. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Martin Lawrence, yes. I didn't so, know. <laughs> but the opposite is what they're doing now. The opposite is like, let's ban all books that talk about slavery and how mm-hmm. bad it was. Let's ban all movies that depict slavery and how bad it was. And let's reposition it as... Well, they did give you houses. They did feed you when they wanted to, and it wasn't that bad. Let's tell, let's let let's read the book about George Washington who really loved his slaves and he really cared about his slaves. Let's teach that instead, because that'll make the black people feel better, and that'll make the white people feel better. But it it doesn't. That's my only thing. So that, I like that. I think that's what I took from the movie personally. From this movie, was that you know. And I still feel that way. Like these things are like these things are okay. Like it's okay to like if I want to tell a story about sex trafficking, right, in today's time, because that's an important topic. Sex trafficking is not just like white people or like uh, (laughs) foreigners, uh, people who aren't American. Like there's sex trafficking in the black community. Like there's black women and girls that are getting sex trafficked by black pimps and black men. And so if someone wanted to do a movie on that and portray like a 2020 version of a pimp and sex trafficking, I'm okay with that. As long as every time I go to the movies, I don't got to see, if I want to see something black or see black people on my screen, it don't got to be sex trafficking women or strippers or uh, athletes or, or gangbangers. I can go see Anthony Anderson with his upper middle class family, who's a marketing director and a doctor, you know, mm-hmm. being black people too. Like, as long because I, because those to me, those people, all of those people are black. Like, all of that is black. I think a lot of times some people, because of stereotypical stereotypes and racism, want us to only focus on, oh, let's, why can't we have more Huxtables and more blackish? And I'm like, we should, but like, Everyone is black. Black is across the spectrum, just like white is across the spectrum. Like you see white movies with them poor fucking hillbilly redneck white folks all the fucking time. All the fucking time you see poor hillbilly hick redneck white folks in the sticks. And then you see rich white folks and then you see middle class white folks and you see Republican white folks like Roseanne and you see liberal white folks and you see New York white folks. You see white folks all across the spectrum all the fucking time. Too much. I think we should be able to see our people all across the spectrum. So that's my little rant. Well, I feel you, but I'm looking at, they did a full on Vanity Fair um, article about this because, well, not about that, but about Hollywood Shuffle because the 30th anniversary um, of Hollywood Shuffle was in 2017. So a lot of people did think pieces and whatnot. Um, and they they explained what happened. They were like, Townsend was inexperienced because he didn't go to film school and he hadn't directed a short film, but determined to tell a story about being marginalized by the industry because in 1984, he had a small role in the Oscar-nominated A Soldier Story. And he told his agent he wanted to do more movies like this, Townsend tells Vanity Fair. Mm-hmm. And his agent was like, Robert, they only do one Black movie a year. You just did it. Be happy. Exactly. And before that, he, um, in the, uh, I believe he was in Cooley High. Uh, he had a bit part in Cooley High, um, just as somebody who was playing basketball. And those were his parts. And he was like, I want a role where I'm taken seriously. And they're like, we're, those roles are reserved for Eddie Murphy types at this juncture. Exactly. Yeah, that's my point. They were only doing one or two movies back then where you could, you know, well, back in the early 80s, like, you know, as we got late, like, I just looked at 87 movies and, you know, you had 
Carl Weathers and Predator. You had the Eddie Murphy movies. You had like Carl Winslow and Die Hard. Like you, you had the Black Dudes and RoboCop. Like you had some more roles as you got to the late eighties. But even still, even up until it really didn't change until the mid nineties. Like the mid nineties is when you started getting you know six, seven, eight black movies a year, which with different types of roles. But up until then. Yeah, I mean, you got to do your little mini independent film, or you could go do your black exploitation film, or you're gonna play uh LA gangbanger or New York gangbanger or Chicago gangbanger or a poor person, <laughs> mm-hmm. a homeless person, or you know, someone a lower income person who's struggling. You're gonna be on good times. That's why the Jeffersons were so revolutionary at the time. Because the Jeffersons was like, hey, dog, we make six figures in 1979. We live in a high-rise apartment. Like, this is this is not this is not good times. It's not San Francisco. It's not what's happening. It's different. That show's still revolutionary to me. He, he got out, and Archie Bunker's broke ass was still back home. Yep. Robert Townsend. I just, I just, I feel like Robert Townsend never got the respect he deserved for what he did. For are we doing Media Man? Oh fuck yes. Okay, good. I haven't seen that movie in so long, so I'm glad we get to see it. We're doing Meteor Man. We're doing, uh, like I said, we're doing Meteor Man. We're doing I'm gonna get you sucker, uh, and we're doing Don't Be a Menace. Those are the last three going down great i'm excited i like this movie i've never seen it before i really enjoyed this movie i thought it was really i thought it was really funny i laughed this entire time throughout this fucking film i thought it was really really funny them dudes were so over the top man even keenan was funny yeah in this but like i said keenan is good when he's playing funny when he's playing serious that's when issues happen yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, although you know, the more I think about it, he wasn't that horrible in Low Down Dirty. Shit. Yes, he was. He just, he just wasn't good. No, no, don't do that. He wasn't that horrible. No, he was. He was. This, he was wrecking shit like a seven point That's a good line. That's a great line right there. So next week is I'm going to get you, sucker. I'm going to get you, sucker. I haven't watched this movie in probably 20 years. I have it on a DVD. I watch it often, often, often. This was Chris Rock's first movie, right? Uh, Yeah. After this, he this, was spooky. I think this is his first movie. Yep. After this, he was spooky. Look who's in this movie. Keenan Ivory Waynes, Antonio Fargus, fucking um, Honey, what's his name? Not Honey. Um, what was his name? Um, what's Antonio Fargus' name um, that everybody knows him from? Honey Bear? Honey, hun, was it Honey Bear? No, not Honey Bear. Um, um, this is black exploitation shit, dude. Huggy Bear. No, Huggy Bear. Huggy Bear. I couldn't remember. Yeah, Huggy Bear from Starsky and Hutch. Antonio Fargus is in this. Jim Brown, Isaac Hayes, Janet Dubois, Kadeem Hardison, Damon Wayans. Like this is a big time cast going forward. Yes, this film. And one year after Hollywood Shuffle came out, he was able to put this out. Oh, um, Robert Townsend was part of this film. No, I'm talking about Keenan. Oh, Keenan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Keenan wrote Hollywood Shuffle. So yeah. I, I do I do want to put this out there immediately though, so there's no question. Eddie Murphy came up with the original idea for I'm gonna get you sucker during a conversation with Keenan Ivy Wayans. And Keenan had to ask Eddie if he could he had to get Eddie's permission to use the idea. <laughs> Look at this, John Witherspoon, David Allen Greer. Like this is a stat cast. Like at the time, it probably didn't seem that stacked, but looking back on it, this is a stacked cast. 
Yeah, I can't wait. I cannot wait. It's going to be interesting. I'm excited. I'm so excited. I haven't seen it so long. But uh, thank you all so much for listening. You can hit up the show on Twitter at Hindsight Reviews, R-E-V-U-E-S. Uh, Brandon is on Twitter at that cool black nerd. Black is spelled B-O-K. I'm on Twitter at Rashani. Um, you can email the show at hindsightmoviereviews at gmail.com. Uh, you can also leave a review for the show on Spotify um, or on Podchaser. You would copy and paste that review and paste it into Apple Podcasts and then copy and paste that into Good Pods. Um, you can also donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast or at uh, buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. You can uh, go to the tip jar. You can also leave us a voicemail at 916-633-1537. Brandon, you got anything coming up? Mm -mm. Okay. Thank you all so much for listening. We greatly do appreciate it. Y'all be good. We're going to holler at you later. Peace. Music for Hindsight is Coffee by Cambo Smith, and it's from the Free Music Archive. This is Single Simulcast.